welcome back to the Ox Unplugged, where if we do get press ganged on a rocket ship, we hope they have spacesuits that look like the village people. I'm Crispy Crowd. Hey, Mr. J-Wit. And I am Halion. Space. I don't think I would look good in a spacesuit. I mean, you just look like the Michelin mm -hmm. Man, generally. Well, unless you like... Well, SpaceX, actually, they have, like, some more form-fitting stuff now, but I like the classy, like, bulky oh. spacesuit look. If in part, I so I can feel like I'm in Moonbase Alpha, but... I feel like going with the the more mod like if you go if you want sci-fi you got to get like a force field uh spacesuit I think those things are sweet I, I like them see this would have been good to bring up on the sci-fi pet peeves because I don't like <laughs> the idea of a spacesuit just being a force field but Mister doesn't like anything that's cool he likes everything <laughs> to be old and clunky like the, look I like retro okay I like the cassette futurism I like my retro space I like having a spacesuit that looks Thick and durable, that it's not a shield where it's like, oh, you get hit with an EMP, you're fucked. Like, we're not even talking about spacesuits this episode. This is supposed to be space navies, and here we are talking about this shit. Well, what the hell else are your are your spez men gonna wear in your spez navy? They've got to have spez suits. They're gonna wear skirts yeah. like the beginning of Star Trek: The Next Generation, where it was like skirts for everybody. Yes, it was perfectly normal. And then it just faded away and was never seen again. Let, let's be honest. In terms of a military uniform, a skirt is probably not the best choice. Well, Starfleet isn't a military. Mm. They're, they're <laughs> explorers. They should be. How many fucking wars did they get into? That's a whole other episode where we talk about the inadequacies of Starfleet. How dare they not be murderers constantly? <laughs> We're not going to be murderers. Meanwhile, let's poison this planet's atmosphere because there's gorillas on this planet. Hey. I would do that in um, Planet of the Apes. Well, they, they did just make announce a new movie, so... <laughs> Very on topic. Well, to be fair, if, as you pointed out, Crispy, it's not like they didn't start wars, but, you know, these are supposed to be scientific exploratory vessels. We've just put proton torpedoes and phaser banks on them. Because, you know, because like right. that, that's what Jacques Cousteau had when he was out exploring the ocean. He had, you know, a couple of five-inch guns and some torpedo launchers <laughs> in, his, uh, in the Calypso. Listen, if exploring on this planet alone is any indication, we want fucking guns on our ships when we go out into space, and we want to have military units on said ships. The universe is a harsh mistress. Excuse <laughs> me? No, you don't. Have you met Magellan? You well, did Magellan got lost. That's... No, he got murdered by his crewmates. He got oh, mutinied. Oh, unfortunate for him. <laughs> so, it depends, I would say. It sounds like an old school Age of Sail ship, all right. Yeah. Speaking of it, of interstellar navies. <laughs> so, what would a what would a mutiny in space be like? Um, there'd be a lot of people going out. And, actually, you know what? It would just be around a space station thirteen, probably. Just people getting <laughs> shot out the airlock. Let's be honest. There's someone dressed as a clown throwing lube on the floor. It would have to be fast, right? You can't yeah. have a slow casual. It has to be. Oh, I pushed a button. Um, and now suddenly, the, like, everyone up above us is dead. And now I am in charge. I would like, say it depends. Um, but you could do that. I mean, like, they did that in um, in Star Trek Picard in the third season, where the, the, uh, the Titan had been taken over. I think it was the Titan. And they were all, uh, all the bad guys were up on the bridge. And so they went to the bridge and managed to activate the emergency escape hatch, which essentially just blows off the viewing screen to the vacuum of space. That doesn't sound had, like a safe feature, but continue. Yeah, but they had activated a, a, a force shield, Crispy, Ooh. that prevented the um, our, our hero from being sucked out with them, and so they all got sucked it. out into space. I fucking hate it. So, if it makes you feel any better, force shields are almost a real thing. Um, I will believe it when I see it. I can, do, Would you like a picture, then? Sure. Okay. Um, Look, I saw an article years ago saying, oh, NASA discovered a warp drive. Where's the fucking prototype? That's what I want to know. Um, it's a, called a plas it's called a plasma window. Um, mm -hmm. what it does is plasma it, window. it stops gas from escaping, but it will allow physical objects through. So they have I, what it was ray shield, I think it was in Star Wars that was the ones that it stopped um Fuck, I don't know. Sh Shield's got weird in Star Wars, but that's not even a topic. 
that's a whole other fucking conversation. My point is, a hangar door where you just like have ships flying out is actually more realistic than anything else. Well, I'll instead keep that of having in mind, an airlock. my own writings, but I just I like the more analog shit. I guess you could say. Um, speaking of analog and interstellar navies, there's um, an animation I need to show you guys, uh, which maybe we can link it in the description for the podcast so the audience knows what I'm talking about. But there is this. You, are you aware of what Project Orion is? You got. I, I'd assume you guys know what that Project Orion is. Um, yeah. Is that the you set off nukes in series? Yeah, uh, it's basically for the for the audience that if they don't know, um, like all three of you, it's a method of propulsion where you basically drop a nuke out the back of a spacecraft, and the explosion hits a pressure plate on the back of the ship, and that's what propels it through space. It was a Cold War idea that we didn't do for uh, obvious reasons, but there's an animation somebody did called. Uh, Deep Space Force on YouTube, if you want to look that up, uh, which really shows what an interstellar, what a what a battle between ships like that would be, and it's it's a really interesting take on interstellar warfare in space, or like naval combat, because we're talking about ships that are like thousands of kilometers away from each other, just shooting at each other with missiles and rail guns and lasers. All the while being like much more grounded in terms of sci-fi versus Star Wars, where you just have two giant capital ships just parked next to each other, giving broadsides because that makes sense in space. Yeah, it's Navy, yeah, just like it makes sense to have uh, your good guys running linearly in one direction away from the bad guys, and they're just constantly maintaining uh, this the the same distance, and they nobody can shoot anybody because that makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. See, I would I would argue against that, but I would literally ran into the same problem playing Space Haven today, so trying to hunt down the ship of slavers and they just keep jumping from system to system as I'm following them. It's like why the fuck aren't they stopping? So that's I think that's a thing that a lot of your particularly some of your old I think they're getting better about it, but a lot of your older sci fi settings when you're dealing with space did a really bad job depicting space combat because they, they're trying to picture what we think of as an essentially two-dimensional. You know, you can move up, you can move down, you can move left, you can, you can move right, but you're trying to realize that you can fight at any angle in any direction yeah. in space. There's no up, there's no down, and it's big, and you're not limited in direction. I mean, it, it's also, you know, in terms of distance as well. <clears throat> you know, a lot of times when you see space contact, you have ships that are... You can like look out the window and see they're right there, but in all reality, that's not how space combat would be. It'd be more like submarine warfare, where you guys are very far from each other, exchanging shots from beyond visual range with each other, and it's very much a fast-paced, chaotic environment. That's why I love the Expanse, is the way they portray a lot of the space battles. They get a little bit more like Fast and the Furious later on, but the the battle involving the Doniger and a, a fleet of, or a, a squadron of stealth ships, that that really is an interesting way of portraying space combat because they show different standoff ranges. Like it starts with torpedoes, and then once they get close enough, it involves rail guns and point defense weapons. And the point defense weapons are intercepting incoming missiles as well during the combat. It would it also speaks to how the ships are designed, but that's probably something we can touch on later in terms of navies so my opinion is a bit um i read a blog like yesterday so that means i know everything about this i've been to reddit <laughs> no it was, it's an old blog post it's a very nice like written thing um basically it's arguing explosions are terrible in space um you don't want to use missiles because the most damage from missiles um is external right you create pressure waves that like actually cause most of the damage yeah. and you don't have that in space cause you don't have air. So like setting off a nuke means that you're only like a little bit of it is actually affecting you. Unless it's a direct hit. If it's a, yes. And that, and at that point you just should shoot a gun. So kinetic weapons would be more effective then. Yes. Yeah. Kinetic weapons, uh, maybe a bit self of self-correcting, but primarily kinetic. Um, and then lasers, because lasers, you can ablate material to help redirect things very 
reasonably and easily. Yeah, I could see that. We're doing a lot with lasers currently. Yeah, lasers are great. Super easy to use. It's just about heat management and how much put you put into it. That's it. Now, the thing about a laser, because it's light, if you shoot it, it technically is just going to go. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, yeah. what, what, like, it's just going to keep going, right? Yeah, and it moves at the speed of light. Yeah, so it's like you, there's no dodging it, which is there, another thing that we see. Yeah. Right? So in terms of lasers, you have, like, you've got basically two ideas. One, a powerful laser that's there to, like, start cutting shit. Mm-hmm. Which is very surprisingly difficult because it requires a focusing beam, and getting that correct is actually fairly difficult. The other option is to just fuck up all their cameras and equipment, which is our current lasers at the moment. Which is just it will fuck up your camera forever. That was um, yeah, I, I actually learned that. I think it was last week. I was looking into uh, a bit of how laser technology works now, and yeah, you're right. Um, in terms of being able to shoot down a missile or something, lasers re- don't have the wattage currently to be able to effectively do that. In um, theory, in the future, they can. Oh, I'm not saying... That's why yeah. I'm saying currently. I can absolutely mm-hmm. see it in the future, but that, that's why a lot of the times for point defense or anti-missile defense, not even just as necessarily on naval ships, you'll see it on land, is a lot of the close-in weapon systems. The Basically, the big R2-D2 Gatling cannon, where... Like you can you can look it up online where they've they'll like post videos where there's missiles or mortars being shot off and you just have just an entire blanket of lead being opened up on the sky and those rounds are actually programmed to detonate after a certain distance but it's like to intercept that with just a wall of steel which is again going back to the expanse that's how they deal a lot with missiles in that is just tons of point defense on those ships of ballistic weapons so. The argument that I have heard, which I think is a very fair argument, is that space combat obviously is a thing that can happen, but people need to expand what is acceptable space combat. So suddenly it's not a game of like just like rolling up broadside and shooting each other. It's, I am shooting you from Jupiter with a one terawatt laser. Dodge. That's, that's why I like the idea yeah. of um, leaning more into the submarine angle of space combat versus like, because like a lot of that stuff comes from Age of Sail or World War II in terms of naval combat, and I I, I definitely agree that the like the more standoff and the more tense it is because you don't know what's coming right away. It's not just ships shooting at each other, just tanking shots. It's like if this missile hits you, it's gonna hurt. It doesn't matter where it hits. It doesn't matter, you know, how much armor mm-hmm. you have. It can puncture through that or just at least cause damage to the structure. Which which is another reason why I'm, like, fairly anti-shield with a lot of the way space combat is portrayed. But we don't need to... You can go back and listen to our Sci-Fi Pet Peeves episode about that. The um, I, I agree with you that a, a realistic take on you know, space naval combat is going to be that long distance, you know, kind of like, you know, when the, the, you know, the ships, the, the modern naval warships we have now, most of the time they're going to be, if they are going to be shooting ship to ship, it's going to be miles away where they're technically not visually seeing each other. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, you know, radar and computer and satellite imagery and stuff. Or, so I or think, as we've seen drones, drones yeah. is another big thing. But I could see in space where that would be the same thing. Cause you've got way less of an issue because you know you've just got a giant amount of area there's nothing in between you so like you said jay just shooting them from halfway across the sector or what have you but the so the reason why i think we see so much of that you know classic broadside and you know ships shooting at each other from point blanks or visual range and stuff because it's something that looks familiar to us it's it reminds us of things we've seen before. So so it makes sense to have ships doing that because we buy into it. And it's a way to kind of as an get your audience to to say, all right, mm-hmm. this I, I know this is happening in space, but this looks like something I can believe in. But the yeah, one thing that always buckling adventure yeah. kind of feel. And that's why the, you need to have horses riding through a space a death uh destroyer thing. 
Okay, you're just describing episode nine. <laughs> what do you think about? They only made six Star Wars movies. <laughs> I didn't say episode nine of what. But one thing that I've never really completely got, as far as if you want to talk realist realism, is if we're talking real. Let's just let's just say we jump ahead a hundred years. We've got actual. You know, the, the United States Space Force has its own, you know, spaceships. You know, these are warships in space. Mm-hmm. Why would we need fighters? What's, what's the purpose of snub fighters in space? That is something that I have honestly had a lot of thought of for the past couple of years. Again, going back to the Expanse, I'm sorry if I keep harping on it, but it's just like the way they portray space combat is such a breath of fresh air and far more a feeling of realism versus other space combat. But that's, that's such a good point. You know, what is the point of having a single person attack craft in something as vast as space in a naval engagement when honestly you could get a missile to do sort of the same job as a fighter far more effectively and precisely? Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the question to me, it's always, yeah, of course you should use an AI for that. But if you want to assume, let's not just have robots do everything. Yeah. Then I have a different proposition for you. Um, Crispy, you were talking about how, a, how it might be more similar to submarine warfare, right? Yeah. What about this? Individual subs. I am going to shoot off and you are an attack drone coming in. We're going to shield you so that way you don't, you're not immediately obvious until you turn on your engines. And you're going to be hidden away at this place for a month. And then you're going to activate like a sleeper cell and just bomb the shit out of their ship. See, yeah, no, I, I agree. That's, that's, a, that's a great take on it. It's like you just have autonomous drones that can just sit as hunter killers or something. Hunter killer units to just wait for a ship to show up and then they just unleash holy hell on them. Yeah. I, like, we, we can honestly have a whole podcast talking about possible applications of drones, but that also might be getting into some, like, real-life political shit i don't know i i think that's the way to go is you why instead of snub fighters in space i would just have tons of these small dense very maneuverable um essentially suicide kamikaze drones Mm -hmm. and i don't i don't have to blow you up i don't have to they don't have to shoot at you all they have to do is fly at you as fast as they can and impact you because you only take it's only going to take a few of those to at the very least either cripple you, severely damage you, or at the very least it's going to throw off your navigation. And at that point, um, you're at my mercy. So I'm not sure on that one. So okay, assuming that we're in using long distances, right? We're talking mm-hmm. like millions, billions of miles away, right? Um, if you're if you're in space. And they're orbiting, and they're going, and they're just sort of sitting around floating in space. And then you're, and you are just launching yourself directly at them. You can, as a, as the person launching, you can't change your, like, left-right position that much. You're just going straight. That, this is a physics problem now. Of, you're just going, you've got a, you're going, like, point two c You're just launching yourself in. The other person can more easily get out of the way. And if you're using there and you're burning rocket fuel and you're just launching continuously, you're creating heat. And if you're creating heat, you're, uh, you're visible now. So if you know that they're coming and they're visible, then you can dodge. And if it takes long enough, you don't want to do that. That's why I say you launch in like hundreds of them. It's just, it's just a, a swarm. Like it's just coming in. There's no way you can go, right? It's like trying to... It's dodge. A, it's like trying to to dodge a swarm of bees. That's it's still, yeah. It's still space. You can probably there's. You would have to be very. You'd have to be going for a very large target and a lot of drones. Oh yeah, yeah. That that's that was my thinking. Is like like it's like you wouldn't send in, you know, two dozen instead of sending in two dozen like X wings to take out a star destroyer, you would send in. Something like twelve thousand of these, like you know, suicide drones. You send in like an autonomous freighter loaded with shipping containers, just full of these suicide drones. See now, now you're coming up with a good idea. 
you know, yeah. just it's a Trojan horse. You just you're just on the shipping lanes. You know, you've got the this is how you the the rebels are fighting back against the the evil, you know, galactic empire, and they've got the capital ship. And just as you're as you're coming by, and they're about to stop you to do the you know the inspection, that's when you drop and launch all these drones and just you know punch it full yeah. of holes. I, I may be using this for something. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it, you know, in terms of like wanting to show like the feel of, you know, a fighter instead of doing like a single person craft, why not do something along the lines of like a Corvette or a smaller attack ship, you know, something that it's small, it can do multiple tasks. Like it's not a single person fighter. It has a crew, but you know, a multi-role ship. It it can function as a gunship and like also like as a reconnaissance scout or intelligence gathering. Um, it can do mine laying. It could deliver set these drones like you're saying. You know, all, a, a multitude of things. You know, if you want to have something in terms of a sort of feel of like that sort of independence that you would have in a fighter craft, because I think that's part of the appeal as well as you know dog fights, which that's yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. I it's, mean, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. If we're going for rule of cool, then you know, fighters, of course, would be fun to have. But if you're trying to have something a bit different, you know, so something closer to like what the roundabouts were in Star Trek versus yeah. like the shuttlecraft, where yeah. it's it's bigger, it's a little yeah. more powerful, but it's also a little bit slower, but it's it's got a lot more options. But see, that was always my question that I that I've I was wondering, and and I know it's because I'm just I'm small brained and dumb. But I kept thinking, like, what would the, you know, we have multiple, like in modern naval, we have all these different classes of ship. You, you know, you've you, your battleship, your cruisers, your um, light cruisers, your your destroyers and so forth. They'd all serve a role. They all serve a purpose. There's a reason why this one isn't suited for this task. Or this is more suited for this task. In a space navy, is that still really going to come into play as much? Um, is it going to be, are you going to need all these smaller support craft to protect the giant big craft? Or is the giant big craft really probably going to be able to do most most of the roles itself? I, well, I don't know. I I would say, at least from my uh, point of view, that you would want to have ships that, I mean, you'd want to have multi-purpose ships, especially in something like a Space Navy in terms of distance and everything, you don't want to just have a jack, like a specialized ship. That it's called a spavy. What? It's called a spavy. Spavy. Oh my god. <laughs> and the spavy. <laughs> I bet they have really snappy uniforms, though. Mm, oh, yeah. that's a whole other that like. Oh man, that that's that we got to get to that next in terms of like new uniforms in the space navy. Hey, that's. You got to be snappy in a space uniform. The U.S. Space Force has some cool uniforms. I don't. I. You know what? I'm going to look those up because I don't think I've seen them. Okay, what do you call uh, someone who's in the Air Force? What are they? What is the generic term for them? They're uh, they're, I, they're they're an no, airman. No comment because right? I don't want to offend our what Air is, Force a, an, an, Someone in the Navy is just a common person in the Navy. They're a sailor or a seaman. Someone yeah. uh, you know the you know you've got. Um, what do you call the members of the Space Force? Just your average member. You know what their 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 official quote unquote title is? Guardians. They're called Guardians. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm looking at their uniforms right now, and this is great because literally there's a comparison to the uniforms from Battlestar Galactica, and they are very <laughs> similar. Yeah. I love how they I also wore this shit in marching band. What the yeah. fuck? They co-opted the uh, co-opted the Star Trek Chevron as part of the symbol and logo too. Oh, which is awesome. Uh, I wish they would have gotten tried something new, but I'm not about to get into that because I'm going to start screaming graphic designer terms and people are going to get lost. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't think they're sci-fi enough. I'm just going to say it. I, I think that they needed to go more sci-fi. Give them with time. It. Give them time. Eventually they'll, de de you know, separate like all the different divisions and classes yeah. of things they focus on. We'll all have slightly different colors. So you can tell them apart, just like in Star Trek. That's like, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, right. In, in terms, I, I think we mentioned SpaceX spacesuits earlier, but like, like in terms of like using something for a space uniform, I, I like the look of like a sleeker looking spacesuit. Cause 
I, I don't think something people necessarily think about in terms of uh, uniforms in space is that you're going to want something that if the ship should be holed, you can quickly make sure that you'll be able to survive in it. You know, I, I yeah, why, that's why, why you need force you shield helmets that you just, yeah. you just, you oh just my wear God, a little, start off with force shields. you know, you just, <laughs> you just wear like this little like headset skull cap thing. And like, if it decompresses, it just automatically turns on the force field for your face, for your face shield. And you're good. So that way uh, the audience can see your face. Yes, because they got to be able to see your face, because that's You're the money maker. Money. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. force feed you enchiladas. I would enjoy that. Enjoy your spicy twisties. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Um, but uh, getting back to the the whole need to have multi role. Ah, yes, we went off on a tangent as we do. I, I understand that there's in space. There's no everything is essentially weightless. That's zero gravity. But things still have mass, and mass is still, and so mass still affects how quickly and how much force it takes to accelerate things. Correct? Yes. Uh, depends on what FTL drive you have. We're talking sublight. Okay. Then yeah, yes. we're 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 talking. Cross momentum. Bit. Yes. Right. Hyperdrive so, is honestly hyperdrive is a whole other podcast. But continue. Which we did. That was like the first one. Oh shit! We did, didn't we? Yeah. Um. So the only thing that makes sense to me of why you would technically need these other ships is because even though they should all be able to move technically the same speed, it's just a matter of how much, you know, how big of an engine is getting them going. But I do think it would, am, am I wrong in thinking that it would, the bigger a ship is, the slower it's going to maneuver because it's going to take more force to change its direction, particularly no, in space, oh, in zero G. Am I, am I incorrect? Uh, okay, so... Okay, I need a. I need do need to explain this one. So, are you asking about changing the direction of, say, it's just floating in space and it's turning ninety degrees to the left and then going, or do you? I'm, mean... I'm talking about changing direction at speed. Like you okay, are then... you are currently powering and you, you're trying to maneuver your space dreadnought to. Okay. Yeah. Then yes, no, that would be difficult. Um, one thing to remember is if the ship is built properly. You can actually rotate it very easily. Like you can rotate it like ninety degrees, one hundred eighty. You can start uh, flipping it like a like a plane. Um, because if it's if it is built properly, you can start just like torquing it all which ways you want. And assuming because we're, let's just assume we we have artificial gravity with inertial dampeners, and it doesn't matter if you do like a ninety degree turn. Or more or less very quickly it's not like you're here on earth where you're going to be subject to the forces of uh, gravity and inertia right yeah you still do but um but you're you're assume like you're surprised you'd be surprised at how little it affects the everyday of like if you're getting shoved against the wall like you can just live with it for a bit and if it's just a five minute get shoved for a bit then five minutes getting shoved on the other side, and you're in the military, yeah, you can just deal with that. That's your problem. So no wonder so many spaceships in sci-fi have, like, like padding on the walls. Oh, you go God, down the corridors, because you're getting thrown around all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, because you don't see that in, like, submarines and stuff now. There's no, they don't pad all those bulkheads and stuff. No, they just let you get bonked on the head. So I guess that would make sense then why you might want to have smaller classes of ships because theoretically they would be more easily maneuverable. But you probably aren't going to see as large of a difference between that and, and as like we do in modern vessels. Yeah. I also don't know what sort of weapons they would have or anything. Like, you need the Death Star because it's a big... It, it requires the big gun... So that means you need a big station in order to fit the big gun in. And I accept that. That brings up a good point. When we said we were going to talk about space navies, I don't know. I'm not that smart. I don't know enough that much about space. Um, I don't know enough about, you know, like military structure and the different roles that all the different craft that are used and how that translates to, to yeah. you know, interstellar mm -hmm. travel. But one thing that has always bothered me, and, I, and we may have even talked about it, is the whole misappropriation and misapplication of resources that the Galactic Empire did. Because, oh it, 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 you know, I know I said it before when we talked about super weapons, but 
they could have taken the resources that they built the Death Star with and built like thousands of Star Destroyers. And if you just park a Star Destroyer over every planet, that's going to, you know, pacify the galaxy way better. Um, but also they're like all or nothing approach when they built the TIE fighter. It has no sustainable atmosphere on the inside. So the pilots have to wear, you know, a space suit. It had no shields. You're welcome, Crispy. Um, it had no hyperdrive. So basically it was like just a flying coffin. You know, it could move fast. It was maneuverable and it was cheap and it could shoot. But if it got looked at wrong, it was blowing up. And so it was so limited. And but they did it because they were just going to try to overwhelm, you know, the enemy the, with, with numbers. They would have been far better suited building fewer and giving them uh, and better like they did with the TIE Advanced like they did with the tight defender, or if they're just stuck to that old philosophy, let's just bill them cheap and like, you know, we're going to kill them with numbers. Instead of using them to shoot down the rebel fighters, they just should have had every single one of them suiciding into the rebel fleet. Just that pound up, just pound tie fighters, you know, into, into the rebel ships until they die. That honestly would have been more effective than what they did. So way more effective. I will now step down off my, uh, <laughs> uh, the, it, although the empire, I will always love the empire, because I'll always think they have cooler uniforms and cooler ships, but yeah, their military tactics were shit. I they don't have good ground. Well, they have like a few good ground vehicles, but they don't really use them. But that's a whole other conversation. I I, I think that the Empire could. I don't even think the Empire needed to build super star destroyers. They could have had like their normal. They could have had just battle groups led by a regular star destroyer with interdictors and smaller cruisers and corvettes, and they could have done just fine. Like, they clearly had the manpower to manufacture large quantities of Star Destroyers, so imagine if they... Like, if they could build the fucking Death Star, they could have built entire naval... Like, they would not have had problems in the Outer Rim if they wouldn't have built the Death Star. They could have put that money towards ships. No opinion. crazy to I, think about. I don't care that much about Star Wars. I'm sorry. I don't That's care about fair. those inner we politics. Could, we could go into how Star Trek handles things. Um, <laughs> Star Trek. Okay. All right. I, I'm going to repeat what we said from the beginning. As much as Starfleet's like, oh no, we're an organization of peace. We're a research organization. How many fucking wars has the Federation been in? How many wars? And they haven't done jack and shit to upgrade their military to be able to handle things. Well, they, they, that's because they kept building. Th their primary thing was let's build them as science and exploratory vessels and things. And it wasn't until the Dominion War that Starfleet finally said, you know what, maybe we should build a ship that's just a warship. And that's where you got the Defiant. That mm -hmm. was this smaller, incredibly maneuver, vastly overbuilt. Like its, its engines were way more powerful than a ship that size. Its weapons were more powerful. They literally had to figure it out because the ship kept flying itself apart. And that was the whole point of, of when they introduced the defiant was they were trying to figure out how to make it work but once you got past that yeah they just kind of went back to well we're just going to kind of halfway everything they didn't really have any more fully dedicated ships and, and another thing that always bothered me as far as starfleet strategy it seems like they never bring their most powerful ships to whatever major battle is going on they're just going to bring like, well, we're just going to cobble together everything we can find, including some of these that have been on, you know, that have been in service for 150 years and these little guys over here and these over here. And we're just going to attack rather than bringing in. Yeah, we're just going to bring like our five biggest, newest designs and we're going to use those to to take on the, the threat. Yeah, they yeah. Oh, I mean, they had the Sovereign class, which was honestly probably one of their better ships in terms of being able to be a warship but they did not build a lot of them and they didn't really use them as much. I mean, they kind of just shuffled them off to the side at a certain point in the story. Like, you guys had to fight the Borg. Why would you not build more of those? Oh my God. Like, I would build a ship like that and load it with as many, like, EMP warheads and just anything I could do to just fuck up their machinery. Yeah, I would just... I, I would build some smaller ships that required a smaller crew like, give me, like, the like the old Miranda class. Build me something modern like that, but cover it with torpedo tubes. Like, it could cover, like, a 360-degree 
you know, just it just shoots torpedoes in every direction. I would fly it into the middle of the enemy fleet and just blast off. Just shoot everything in every direction. The the old that for anybody here that remembers the uh, the classic '80s movie, The Last Starfighter, uh, that there was a move at the end called the Death Blossom, where where the ship basically starts rotating in such a fast speed that it's just blasting everything around it. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I think um, as much as people give Voyager shit, that uh, episode where they had the tor- the automated torpedo dreadnought, I think was the name of it. That was a smart idea. Oh, we have this automated weapon. We're just going to send off in this direction, and it's going to have all these countermeasures, so it can just hit its target. You know. Well, you know, Star Trek, something Star Trek did do is they they there's multiple times where you had smart weapons that essentially were yeah artificially intelligent intended to destroy a a, a a target and then, you know, questioning whether it should, so to speak. But that's that's diverging from the original topic. Yeah. Star Trek opens are a whole thing. Yeah. I'll, I'm sorry, I don't have a lot to bring to that part of the conversation. No, it's fine. It's I, I actually did um, want to ask, uh, or bring up something which would be, in terms of space navies, how would you deal with boarding actions? Um... The the lazy answer is you don't you fucking kill them and then you don't bother. Yeah, like, but there may not space. be times where that's a viable thing to do. Maybe you have to take a ship for an objective, or you have to rescue people on that ship. You can't necessarily just ventilate the ship all every single time and be like, "Well, job's done. We're just gonna walk in there and just like recover the ship." I mean, you could definitely do that for some instances, but at a certain point. With space navies, I feel like you would need some sort of marine boarding parties. The issue is anything that like you're you're coming across the same problem as before of anyone who goes forward is going to get massacred, right? So you need to disable all of their entire ship first, right? I suppose mm-hmm. so, because otherwise you'll just look out the window and you'll shoot them. So you have to disable everything, which means you got to blow it up. All right, so you're talking about how would you handle doing the boarding or repelling the boarding? I'm, well, I'm, I'm just talking in terms of, like, boarding in general. Like, I feel like that would be something. In... I've played FTL where the answer to boarding is you just open up the sp- open up space to that room and then you just sort of lock them in and <laughs> say, fuck yeah. off, space yeah. is full. I'm See, if, if, if I was going to be the boarder, like, I, or I would say, let's say if I'm trying to repel boarders, the simple... Answer is I bring everybody into the towards the middle of the ship into the most innermost chambers, and I flood some of the outer uh, cham- outer decks to the atmosphere, and then all the inner decks between me th- those decks and me, I'm going to flood with poisonous uh, acidic gas. Where are you getting that acidic gas from, sir? It's probably going to go. You know, be like some sort of leftover thing from the engine room or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you know, because that's how it works, right? Um, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's gonna, how that antimatter gonna, engine works. Yeah, <laughs> just, if you're gonna if you're gonna get to me, you're gonna have to work for it, and it's gonna take a long time. Time for people to potentially, you know, like if you're gonna want to take the ship intact, you're gonna have to work for it. Now, if I'm the boarders, what I do is exactly what you said, Jay. I disable the ship. Like, I knock out its propulsion, I knock out its power, I make it where it can't, you know. But I want to take the ship itself, but I don't need the people. So I'm just going to send one of my specifically designed support craft over with a very giant microwave emitter. And I'm just going to nuke the crew from outside. I'm just going to cook them within the ship, and then I'll just send in a crew to, you know, scrape up the mess and patch it back up and fly it home. Just shoot a penetrating torpedo full of VX and then just, yeah. It's obviously less fun than sending a boarding party, because those guys get to have a party. There's a reason they call it the boarding party. I've always wondered, you know, if when you're in space, and you're in a ship, a military vessel, everything's under pressure, right? It, mm-hmm. it, the ship is pressurized and stuff. Why would you have, like, small weapons capable of punctuating, you know, puncturing the the hole like would that make a lot of sense like to be inside like that's where you got phasers though right you showing me a phaser can't shoot through a bulkhead apparently not it never happened in star trek right have they i don't know actually feels like they did they wouldn't 
See, this I is why know. ballistic weapons are superior. You can punch through a ball head with the thirty out six, and then you'll kill yourself too. You'll get. Oh, that's why I got the spacesuit on. You'll get alien threed anyway. See, I always thought, to me, in my in my head, it would make more sense that if you did boarding and you were on on the actual ship, and instead of firearms, you know, you know, like whether be they laser, be they bolt blasters, whatever. To me, it would make more sense if everyone just had you know swords and and daggers, because I, be- I believe there's an anime called Legend of the Galactic Heroes where it's just that. Yeah, where you're, where you're, you're because you're not going to want to risk, you know, opening the, the the hole to the vacuum of space. So you know, you just go at it with knives and swords. I believe that's also called Dune. I I was going to say it's mm-hmm. kind of like, but see, they're never in the ship. They're always like yeah. they're on a planet. It's a terrible time to fight in space. No one wants to fight in space. No, they they probably would do what we've just said, just like poke holes in the ship and just wait for everyone to suffocate. Although, if they put on spacesuits, then they'd be fine, which is then when you do have to send in a boarding party. Unless you can, like, pump it full of gas that'll melt spacesuits or something. See, that's why, this, that's why the, uh, the good old-fashioned uh, force field spacesuit is superior, because you can't <laughs> melt it. Hey, Captain, why do we have 500 pounds of hydrochloric acid and gaseous form on hand? You know, for fun, for later. Yeah, why, that's like, why in Star Trek do they just not, like, carry, like, all these containers of death gas, and when the Klingons are attacking, just beam it on board the other the Klingon ship? I, I think that would go against Starfleet a little bit. <laughs> I do feel like I think that's a shield thing as well. The shields need to be down before you can start beaming stuff, right? Okay, but how many times do we see people manage to beam through shields, right? But that's I what know. I would do. So that's what I'm saying. You knock their shields out. You've disabled their ship. Now I'm just going to beam a bunch of gas into there that, that kills everybody. Or just beam the enemy. Just beam all the enemy combatants into space. You could beam through the shields on enough PCP. <laughs> <laughs> Step just, one. Oh, God. The there's a horrible idea. You just beam over a bunch of attack monkeys high on drugs with, like, switchblades. There's a boarding party for you. No, no, no. It's just like, all right. Kirk has done some amazing captaining and sulu has ma- and and Chekhov ha- have managed to take out <laughs> the you know the klingon bird of prey it's it's sitting there disabled no shields no propulsion and uh kirk just calls down to scotty and says scotty lock on to all the klingons and beam them into the vacuum of space uh-uh. quick simple done no more trouble now you can just go over there and steal their tech if you want there's no need to, to go on and, like, you know, double-hand chop and fight Klingons. Beam them out. You'd be a very boring writer for a TV show. And this is why you have the boarding party. Because then it's more fun. The boarding party, they show up and they're all, like, uh, as soon as they hit, they've all got little uh, pacifiers in their mouths and they're waving glow sticks mm-hmm. as <laughs> when they come on. See, you're getting, oh. you're getting more, like, raver with it. I was thinking you just send over, like, the crew from the movie Snatch, those gypsies. Oh no! I actually know how you want it. How if you're getting border boarding parties, I know what you need to do. You need um the bored teenagers who are just like ready to just go do a bunch of shit, and everyone else is like, "Yeah, sure, go ahead, Jimmy, have fun." Uh, and then afterwards, you come and pick them up from the lot from uh their ship. Everything's just covered in toilet paper and graffiti. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst boarding party ever. They show up. Oh, it's so bored. Come on. More like the bored, <laughs> boring party than boarding party. Yeah. Oh God, I just made a horrible dad joke, didn't I? Yep. Cool. Um. So, uniforms. Do we want to go back to uniforms? Because I want sure. to talk more about space uniforms because they're fun. You got to have some style. Or you could just go nude. <laughs> it's, it's that would have made Star Trek a much more interesting <laughs> show. <laughs> They're just like we look. We saved so much on dry cleaning. Okay, <laughs> you just gave a. You just made the Riker maneuver way worse. Captain's <laughs> log. <laughs> is, wait, are, is the Riker? Are you referring to like the way he climbs over the chairs? The Riker yes. maneuver. Yes. Oh my god. That would be. I would not want to touch that chair if he did that. <laughs> I wouldn't want to like, touch oh, anything oh, there. Oh. <laughs> I hope he showered recently. Yeah, like imagine, you know, what the captain's chair must smell like if there's no clothes. In you space. know he's been ripping ass into that thing all day. 
That okay, that's true clothing or not. Let's be clear here. Yeah. That's fair. It's just more into the seat if you're not wearing pants. <laughs> it, it, it gets sunk in deeper. Like why can't they, do you think in Star Trek they've got like specific like little things built into the fabric of their pants that like as soon as they start to fart it just like the computer <laughs> instantly like beams it into space so that it's never never actually there if they did i hope the transporter guy like just collects those somewhere and just <laughs> saves them for when they got to deal with an enemy ship just it's beams just them like, over oh yes yeah. Conan, uh, O'Brien is just sitting there going like fuck my ex-wife and just farting and <laughs> teleporting and farts in her room <laughs> Keiko yeah he's just so he's just like constantly sending all the farts into, into her quarter why was Keiko so insufferable why is she still on the okay if they're divorced why is she still on the ship or maybe they're just separated they can't actually get they can't actually you know because they're out in space because that's what you do you bring your maybe families they, they might have broke space. up mid-journey and then it's like what are you going to do? It's like, oh, it looks like we're going to have to send one of you off the ship. Like, we're the beta quadrant. Fuck. That would have made relationships really hard. Because think about it. If you get, you know, you, you dating somebody and then you split up, you're on a ship on a five-year mission. You're going to be seeing each other a lot. That is a very good point they do not bring up about in Star Trek. The idea of bringing enlisted people's per like family along on a journey like that. Because we already are doing psychological testing for astronauts or possible, like, missions to Mars right now just to see what the psychological stressors of that. Can you imagine a five-year mission on a spaceship out to the acid of nowhere? That's why they bring, that's why they let you bring your wife and kids along. So that way you can be annoyed at them instead of your coworkers. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah, because that's just what you want for your, uh... For the guy who's who's piloting the ship, you know, to get to be in a in a week long fight with his wife, and uh, and then to go up and be piloting the starship, yeah, or or even better, going down to the engine room to be in charge of the reactor. Yeah, that's more horrifying. I do not want the guy that just had like an argument with his wife over how well the meatloaf was replicated to be in charge of the antimatter <laughs> reactor on the starship. That's how you all fucking die. <laughs> Yeah, this has just turned into banging on Star Trek versus Space Navies. <laughs> well, it's, uh, look, look, I, I, I don't mean to hate on Star Trek because Star Trek is good. It's just a matter of like, in terms of how I view a Space Navy and the way that it presents itself as a Space Navy, there is a miscommunication in terms of what I think is a good Space Navy there. I think the solution is Space Station 13. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what they need. Shit curity. That's exactly what <laughs> yeah. they need. Well, that, that, that brings up a good point. Gonna hard baton him to death. This is what we're gonna <laughs> but, fucking do. But we've seen we've seen in Star Trek, you know, they don't really have they don't have their version of the Marines. They just I don't. Mean, they did, then they decided to get rid of them. Yeah, well they had the mate in Enterprise you had the Makos. And those were good. Yes, but then by the next got to, you get to the future. And they don't have any of that. It's just you're just beaming down with rando red shirts, right? You know, where where's our guys in our armor with like our fuck off, you know, blasters and shit? You know, That's where's what the I'm guys? Saying. Right? They should not the stun batons. Give me the eraso batons. Like, you know, I hit you with it and you disintegrate. That's, That's not That's even what just I'm that. About. It's like this is Star Trek we're talking about. They could have some crazy ass power armor with weapons that could annihilate a city block on one guy. They're missing out on so much potential here in terms of having marine combat teams to use for not just boarding, but just like ground operations. Here's what you do. You don't have to build any of this. You don't need troops. You don't need ships. You don't need anything. You're going to fight a, an army on the ground. All you need is a bunch of floating, semi-autonomous drones. They just make them about the size of a, of a kickball, all right? And it's just covered with hollow emitters. You get you a few dozen of those, and each one can replicate its own army of holographic of, of holographic soldiers. And so you're just you're fighting the enemy with holograms. And they can't kill them because they're holograms. But the holograms can kill them. Simple. Oh, that's, oh so we're going with the dead money route from Fallout. Just like, oh, di killer holograms. All right. Yeah. I can exactly. dig it. You just take you just take the EMH from Voyager, duplicate him a few thousand times, and make him a little bit angry. 
and give him a gun. Oh, yeah, give give him a give him a, I, give him a, I, give him a, give him a knife gun. for the psychological factor. Can you imagine like shooting a hologram and just walks up to you and stabs you? Yes. See, now we're talking. Now yeah. we're making Star Trek horror. And you make him look like a hobo because it just adds more to the psychological end of things. Star Trek horror sounds amazing. I'd love to see a an actual horror thing going on. It could be done. Yeah, you start doing a uh, not Babylon Five, uh, the one with the the sexy androids. Oh, uh, uh, Battlestar. Battlestar. Yeah, you could do a Battlestar with droids in Star Trek. Now I just think we're getting ideas for our next session of the tabletop game. <laughs> I don't want to know what Zal's going to do. <laughs> don't worry about it. I don't know either. It's the, See, it's that tone just makes me I'm the one who sh- who's worrying about it. It's like, I've made this gonk droid that dispenses Agent Orange. No, you just set, you just make sure that the gonk droid goes off. That's all. No, need a. Aren't they walking else. fusion plants? Yeah, they're just like little bodies. giant walking batteries. Yeah, yeah. You just set yeah, no, you just set him no to way. to you know overload at a specific time or a specific. You just like set the little Siri like you know geo uh, geo gate on him like you know when you get to here you overload and blow up. Yeah, way easier. You just make a bomb. Yeah, or you take and, like one of those little mouse droids and you start attaching like little bombs to them and just right underneath people. Yeah, fill them with sarin gas. Yeah, I like how we're talking about this. Like Space Navy is like, well, if we just put the war crime gas in the, <laughs> you can't you can't talk Space Navies and not talk war. And you can talk war, you're going to talk war crimes. What a world of war crimes! It's a natural progression. It's more of a Geneva suggestion when you think about it. <laughs> um, I thought in terms of a Space Navy, if we're talking distance and things, I would imagine you would want to have the means to manufacture hardware in your battle group or your fleet because spares aren't exactly going to be something they can just ship and it's going to get there in a couple days. I mean, you look at something like Homeworld, which, you know, talking about games from earlier, you were talking about games or, or settings where they think of the 3D aspect. That's that's one that really does it. But oh, yeah. in Homeworld, you have ships that can manufacture strike craft or you know of course you have the mothership that's able to manufacture whole warships you know i would imagine that's something you want in a space navy is the ability to self-manufacture and self-sustain the fleet uh, maybe maybe i think it's also fine to just say you need to go back to base for that i guess it really depends on how you want to handle it you know yeah i could see it either way honestly yeah because okay if they are self-sufficient, you need to access material. Um, unless you just have giant storehouses, which is kind of shit. Then you have the giant spaceship problem. And then you just are building the mothership because you just go back to the warehouse to pick it up. Yeah. Or you have the ability to manufacture on that ship. And then you're going around eating asteroids and just getting all the iron out of them. Yeah. Which is also kind of ass, and it makes it a big ship. Unless you've got replicator technology like Star Trek does, where all you oh, need yeah. is, is energy that you yeah. can essentially combine into, you know, infinite number of things. So you can replicate stuff if you need certain materials, food, things like that. The only thing that limits is apparently it either takes, apparently replication does take some form of resources not just energy it requires a certain type of resource because i know when voyager in the beginning early on they were having to ration their replicator uh stuff so that everyone could only do so much and so many times uh, until they found out a, a way around that so there still is a limit to that it's not just infinite where you can pull anything you need out of thin air which is good because otherwise it'd be very silly yeah yeah it's it when you don't have limits on stuff, it gets real stupid. But wouldn't you think that in a, in, in a space Navy, especially if we're talking to the point where we've got stuff like Star Trek and Star Wars, why, even if you have a big ship that way, wouldn't so much of it be automated? Why would you need that many crew? See, that's actually something I kind of ran into just kind of drawing my own spaceships. Is no, at one point, I was kind of drawing some more realistic spaceship designs, and I considered the including a... a section of the ship that would rotate in order to accommodate gravity 
And I was looking at it like, this is kind of small compared to the rest of the ship. Is this going to be able to fit everyone? And then I had the thought of, well, if this is going to be for where the crew's going to be living, that would mean that the rest of the ship isn't going to be entirely for crew. So why bother worrying about things like atmosphere and just general crew comforts and a lot of that, you know? And that, and that that's a really good point, you know? Why, why would you have to worry about the entirety of showing the entirety of your ship, but why wouldn't you just things be automated? Y'all don't make fun space. That's the problem. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> it's very... It's very I'm imagining easy like a, a... You've got a cargo hauler, right? In space, and you're hauling for a, you're for a corporation where you, you, you know, essentially like a space semi, right? You're moving stuff from one place to the other, so you're trying to do it as efficient and inexpensively so that you maximize your profit. So what I would do is have a very small crew, maybe two people, maybe three max, depending on how large the ship is, and small living area, small quarters, you know, with a bridge or control structure. The rest of the ship, I would automate and have some sort of droids, and it would be open to vacuum. Because you don't need you don't need to keep that. Alien. The problem is that's how you get alien. Huh. Well, again, that that works out because then the, then and you that bring you, in a vacuum. Yes, you bring that uh, you bring that super valuable, interesting life form back to the attention of the corporation. Then they're going to figure out a way to make money on it. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, true. No way is that going to fuck up. <laughs> that corporation loves them. They always keep looking for them. Yeah. And it never goes wrong. It nope. always works out I, in the end. I think they need to invest in, like, checkers or something. I don't know. Does anyone play checkers anymore, other than outside the waffle, uh, the uh, Cracker Barrel? I'm sure there's at least somebody. All the kids are into chess now. That's the big thing. <laughs> chess is the new hotness? It is. It's a big hotness thing. You know what? If that's going to be the new hotness for people, I'm okay with that. Yeah. There's way worse... I'm perfectly happy with chess being the thing. Yeah. Just wait till they start all start rejecting their iPhones and carrying around a little pocket abacus. No, that would be funny. Uh, back, backgammon comes back. Uh, Everyone back, wants back. Baccarat. Yeah. Any final thoughts on uh, on space navies or anything that you you wanted to say that you hadn't had a chance? I to? I, I did have the thought of the idea of an age of sail navy in space. But we're talking like solar sails, yeah. Because that that is an interesting concept when it comes to ships is having that as a means to collect energy or provide propulsion. Obviously, it's not something you'd have in combat, but yeah. So what a solar sail is is you're not. It's not a solar panel. Solar panel exists to just capture sunlight and turn it into energy. Yeah. A solar sail is reflecting the sunlight for the momentum of photons. Gotcha. I believe it's kind of an ass um, system because you can only go away from the sun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you're limited. You can't travel through space. You, if you get far enough away from any stars, you're not going to have, there's no quote-unquote solar wind. You don't have an ability yeah. to, to harness that. But it would be interesting if you think about it of a, if you were able to do like a, like a treasure planet type uh, age of sale type thing using solar solar sails and stuff you could make it very you know kind of swashbuckly kind of you know low tech ish that, that could be interesting yeah i mean you'd yeah. have to hand wave the science obviously which we do pretty much for most science fiction yeah which is standard you have to yeah nobody wants to be like all right we're going to be sitting around bored for the next 30 years as we catch up to this other ship and and, and that's another thing in terms of space navies at a certain point you know you can have realism all you want in terms of space combat and navies and things, but is it really going to be fun to watch if it's completely realistic? Probably not. There's a reason yeah. that sci-fi is more of a it's, well, what, what if. Uh, sci-fi is scientific fantasy, um, according to one of the... forgot the guy's name. Holy shit, I am terrible. Uh, yeah, it's just a matter of like how more into the science you want to get versus more of the fantasy into things. Yeah, sorry, Asimov. Asimov wrote that it's science fantasy, and he's very upset at people for calling it science fiction. Oh, Asimov had to stick up his ass about everything. I know, he's lovely. He's a wonderful man. I love him. Fucking, of course, that would be an Asimov quote. 
<laughs> Could have been worse. Yeah. Could have just been like, fuck Philip K. Dick or some shit. I don't know. He probably did say that at some point. I, I wouldn't put it past him. Meanwhile, Philip K. Dick's over there in the corner basically just tripping balls. No, nobody thought about Philip K. Dick. He came up with some crazy stuff. We should talk about his, uh, oh God, what was it? The Vallis trilogy at some point. Uh, I've not read as much of his stuff as I should, but that is for another podcast. So yeah. unless there's any final, final thoughts, um, we can call it Spavy. Goodbye, everybody. Spavy and neuter your pets. Oh, dang, I binged it all. Yeah. Back to space trucking. Hey, this is Big Leroy. Anybody catch that last episode of Auxiliary Unplugged? Man, them guys is a trip.